last uh, last Sunday we started our series on Thanksgiving or or being thankful or the I'm thankful series and we uh, I think I, uh, I, pre- I preached about how I'm thankful for not only God's love but for God's wrath meaning the the total the totality of God and how important it is to receive all of God and not just the parts that we like because without all of God we don't really have God so today in uh, I want to just let you all know that I am thankful for God's mercy and forgiveness. And right there, it was like what we call an big softball tee. That was an amen moment. You should have seen it coming. You should have been saying amen before I ever got done saying it. I'm thankful for God's mercy and His forgiveness, y'all. Yeah. It's, 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 if we don't understand God's forgiveness and God's mercy, then we're in big trouble, aren't we? My brother and I, my older brother, I got one older brother, the rest of them, the rest of my siblings are all younger than me, but my older brother and I were, we would have this game that most everybody else in the world played back in those days called Mercy. You ever heard of it? You grab each other's hands, you know, it's kind of like arm wrestling, but you're just locking each other's fingers and squeeze as hard as you can and you twist each other around until one of us says what? Because we can't take it anymore. We want relief. From the pain. Well, I have to I have to tell you that every now and then I might win that game. My brother's three years older than me, so he was always he was always three years stronger than me. Let's put it that way. Doesn't mean he always beat me, but it it happened. My, he also would sometimes get carried away with the game. How many of y'all know that there are pressure points on a person's body that will almost paralyze them if you push them just right. Well, my brother figured this out. So I don't know how he figured it out. I don't know where he got it from. We didn't have internet back in those days. Somebody taught him something, and he came home and decided that he was going to try it out on me. And right up under the armpit, if you if he would get his hand straight like that, and he would push, he would grab me and push right up under there like that and push me up against the wall. And he'd have me on my toes. And he hit them pressure points, and I literally could not move to get away from him. And it was, it, was, it was excruciating pain, and it was tickling me at the same time. Like, it, not just barely tickling, it was extreme. And he would just sit there and laugh and laugh and laugh, and all I'm doing is getting mad and mad and mad, and I'm laughing at the same time, and I'm in so much pain, I couldn't move my toes to get away from him. I couldn't even say mercy. I couldn't even do anything. And it was, I was at his mercy during that which, by the way, is why in my house from then on, the rule is you don't tickle me. My wife knows that rule. She'll tell you that if she was in here, she would tell you that. She tries to change it to where the rule is no tickling, but that's not the rule. The rule is you don't. nobody tickles me. <laughs> that's the rule. <laughs> she thinks that's a double standard, but that's a whole other sermon. I want to talk about God's mercy, y'all. Because if we don't understand God's mercy and God's forgiveness, then we will never we will never survive the dilemmas of this world. We will never survive the wrath of God that we talked about last week. We, we will never escape what is due to us because of our sinful choices in life. 
and we will certainly never truly experience God's love. Now, by the way, as we go through all of this, we're going to have one or two or three more things uh, in the next few weeks where we're going to say, I'm thankful for, and it's going to be something different about God, one of his characteristics. And you'll notice that they all tie together. They're all pretty much the same thing, just comes at us in a different way that makes God complete and total, right? Makes him him full in our life. We get the full experience of God. Everybody say praise the Lord right there. Don't forget you're allowed to say I'm thankful or thank God, right? It's good to say. Here's what mercy is, by the way. Y'all got this thing turned on? Yeah. Here's what mercy is, generally. Mercy is basically compassion or pity or, in God's case, divine forbearance, right? Maybe it can be described as patience or even to tolerate, to put up with. This is where we thank God for his mercy. Because I don't know about you, but there's a lot of people in this world that probably uh, can't put up with me. (laughs) They probably have issues with me. And maybe I rub them the wrong way. And sometimes they have a lot of mercy when it comes to my relationship with them or theirs with me. Here's some examples of, of mercy in Scripture. Adam and Eve had sinned against God. You guys know the story. In the beginning, God created all of these things and told Adam and Eve, here, this is all for you to live in, and we want you. I want you to live there and have relationships with me, and we can talk every day, and we can just kind of be together, and th- but don't eat from this place over here. And they did that, and God came over and says, hey, why are you all hiding from me? Remember the story? I'll just try to go over it a little bit. But then if you remember the one specific fact, God saw that they were naked and he saw that they couldn't completely cover themselves appropriately, so he killed an animal and made them some clothes. In the middle of his wrath, in the middle of his justified anger at their disobedience, he still covered their sin. That's mercy. He could have just totally destroyed them in that moment and would have been justified in doing so. But because he had compassion, because uh, because he had patience and he took pity on their guilt, he covered their nakedness temporarily until he could cover it permanently. Isn't it great? That's what Jesus is all about. That's God's mercy being shown to all of us. That's what John 3.16 is all about. For God so loved. God had, he has to have compassion and mercy in order for his love to be genuine. Because remember last week we talked about how his love is greater than his wrath. Because he is love, remember? He is not wrath. He has wrath. He has anger. And it's all justified. But he is love. So it makes perfect sense that his mercy would be abundant with a sinner. Wouldn't wouldn't you agree with that? Are you thankful? Do you think about that every day? Does it come to mind other times than when you're in sin? When 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 you make a bad choice, of course it comes to mind because if you're a believer and you're faithful and you're committed and you're in tune with the Spirit and you get opportunity to repent, in those moments it's easy to be thankful for God's mercy, isn't it? But I think it's hard to be thankful or at least remember about God's mercy when we have to be merciful to others. 
because they've offended us. How, how on earth would we ever know how to extend mercy or be merciful to others if we haven't experienced God's mercy ourselves? This is why I'm thankful for God's mercy. This is why I'm thankful for Jesus showing us the way. If I'm trying to be like Jesus, then I'm going to be a merciful person. I'm going to be compassionate. I'm going to be patient and tolerant. I'm going to put off the demanding of payment for the offenses committed against me because I want to be merciful. Not just because I want to be merciful, but because of Him who lives in me. Our Lord, the Spirit of God, is merciful. So if I'm tuned into the Spirit and I'm living in the blood of Christ, then I should, ought to, I should become a merciful person. Wouldn't you agree with that? Isn't that hard, though? Isn't it hard? I'll tell you what, one of the hardest times for a, any person to be merciful is when they are literally smacked in the face. I don't know if you've ever been smacked in the face, but it is, it is, a, it is an unbearable insult, no matter who's doing it. And it is hard not to react to something like that. And then you can talk about all of the different ways you can be uh, attacked in ways that aren't physical, that feel just the same way. Right? How on earth can we be merciful people? Let's find out. The entire picture of, of Exodus, in the book of Exodus, talks about the Israelites, how God uh, gave them the law, told them how they're going to worship, and all of this structure is in place for them, and they were to bring sacrifices, and the priests were to bring offer the sacrifices to God into a place called the mercy seat. You've heard about it, hopefully. You've read about it. The mercy seat. This is where all of the sacrifices or the offerings were brought into God and offered to God. And it's a picture of God's forbearance or putting off his wrath. That's a mercy. His mercy is activated because of the engagement that man has with God. It allows God's forbearance and compassion to happen until Jesus comes to the cross. All of that was waiting for Jesus to come to the cross, waiting for God's plan to be fulfilled, his promise to be fulfilled, that he would make things right. Just before he made clothes for Adam and Eve and kicked them out of the garden, he says, I will make this all right. It's all broken. It's all out of line. I will do it. I will make it right because I'm merciful. You ever think about it? God could have just started over. Let me, let me make some, a couple more people, and maybe they'll do it right next time. But he didn't do that, did he? He, did, he could have. But what he did, he didn't have to do. That's what makes it mercy. That's what makes it beautiful. And that's what makes it love. Mercy, right, claims victory over judgment. Remember last week, we talked about God's wrath and God's love and how we should accept the totality of God and be thankful for all of God because love wins over His wrath always. It's the same thing. Mer mercy claims victory over God's judgment every time if we step into it. 
in the way that God invites us to step into it. Look at these particular parts of Scripture. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. It says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive what? Mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God's mercy is there for us all. But it doesn't just happen because we want it to happen. It happens because we enter into it. We come into God's mercy. It's there, and He's invited us. Not only He just invited us to come into His mercy, He's invited, He showed us the way. If I invited y'all to a big shindig at my house, and half of y'all know where I live, and the other half didn't know where I live, but I didn't give anybody instructions on how to get there, didn't give you any information, didn't give any directions or address, would y'all be able to show up? Probably not. How can you go somewhere if you don't know how to get there? And how can you experience God's mercy if you're not shown the way? That's what the gospel is all about. The gospel is saying there's mercy from God, and it's perfect, and it's awesome, Here's how you can experience it. Right? This is why I keep saying over and over again in Bible studies and in sermons, we're not out inviting people to church, y'all. It's not about seeing how many people we can get to come to church. It's about seeing how many people are interested in understanding who God is and what he has for them. So that they can have a choice to say, yeah, that, I want that. That's for me. I need that. Or they can say, eh, no thanks. Of course, we don't want that for them, do we? We don't want them to say no. We don't want them to reject this awesome and wonderful gift of God's mercy. But people do, don't they? And we can sit back and say, well, how on earth could anybody reject God's mercy? Here's what, here's what mercy looks like in my mind. This, this, just pretend this is God's hand right here. Everything that God created is right here in the palm of his hand. And it's all contaminated by sin. And God has every right to be with that hand. But he chooses not to. Because his love is greater than his wrath. Mercy overcomes the judgment of his wrath. So he can continue to do this because he knows that he can make all of this perfect. And that's what he wants. It's just that simple. He has every right to do it and no one can challenge him. And he would be justified in turning his hand over and throwing it all in the trash. But he says, no, that's not what I choose. Because my love is greater than our sin, mine and yours. God's love is greater than our sin, which instigates his mercy in our lives. Look at 1 Peter 1 and 3. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Without mercy, we don't have hope. And without hope, we're just wasting time in here, aren't we? Hello? Without the hope of salvation, without the hope of eternity, with God and His love forever and the forgiveness of sins, we have no hope and there's no point in any of it. Thank the Lord, y'all. I thank God for His mercy. 
His mercy is what allowed me to sin so many times and still repent once I realized the gospel was true. His mercy is what allows me to repent every time I still fall into temptation. His mercy is what allows me to enter into His presence with confidence. Even though I'm guilty of sin, even though you're guilty of sin, even though we all have sinned and continue to sin, we believe that Jesus is the Christ and His blood, His holy blood was shed so that we could enter into the most holy place with confidence that His mercy is there. Not, that, not, not in any kind of confidence like, hey, look at me, I've sinned again, can, can you take care of that, God? Check you next time. No, we're talking about entering in the presence of God with humble reverence for His holiness, understanding and believing and standing firm that His mercy allows us to be there and we will be forgiven. Isn't that awesome, y'all? I mean, we're, I'm talking about being thankful today. I'm talking about not just being thankful and making up my mind in this hour of church service saying, yeah, amen, I'm thankful. No, it's living my life thankful. The way I live my life should reflect my gratitude for his mercy. What comes with mercy? Forgiveness. Isn't that awesome? God's forgiveness. How many of y'all realize that God's forgiveness is not the same as man's forgiveness? We wish it was. We, we really wish it was. Because sometimes we need to be forgiven and somebody's not forgiving us. And sometimes we need to forgive and it's so hard to forgive. And sometimes we think we're forgiven, but we're not really doing it the way God would call us to do. <laughs> Tough. Tough. I wonder when we look at Jesus on the cross, whether it's in the scripture, in our minds, or some representation of what was happening the day that he was not only arrested, but beaten and cursed at and spit on and whipped and uh, enduring suffering that every other man in the world would have only uh, would have died in the beginning of. I wonder if we see God's forgiveness. I wonder if we feel his forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 18, which I did not put in my uh, slides, I will read I will read some. I'm just going to tell you how the story goes, basically. Matthew chapter 18 is where we find the parable of the unmerciful servant. Uh, if, if you're not familiar with it, I would encourage you to read it today. In the beginning of how Jesus is teaching this parable, he says in verse 22, I tell you, uh, not seven times, but 77 times. This is after Peter came to Jesus and said, hey, how many times I got to forgive my brother? Have you ever asked that question before? I, I asked that question plenty of times. I asked that question about my own brother holding me against the wall where I can't move. And the whole, all, I, all I can do is cry and scream and laugh and think you better not let go of me because it's going to be over if I do. That's what was going through my mind. I'm over it, though. You can't tell, but I'm over it. <laughs> 77 times, y'all. I'm counting. 77 times. Look, here's what he says in verse 23. He says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servant. As he began the settlement, the man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. 
Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all he had be sold to repay the debt. That was the custom. It was proper. It was what was expected. The servant, in verse 26, fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. In other words, have mercy on me, and I will pay back everything. Be careful what you promise, y'all. Verse 27 says, The servant's master took pity on him, that's mercy, and canceled the debt and let him go. Forgiveness. Isn't that great? When, when your, your debt gets canceled and you don't have to owe the debt anymore and, the, and the, the burden is off of your shoulders and you can feel good about life again. But look what happens, verse 28. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And everybody in this room and everybody that ever reads this parable sits back and say, well, what kind of jerk is that? How dare that guy? Be careful. Be careful. Verse 29 says, his fellow servant fell, on, fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. At that moment, flashbacks should have been happening in this dude's eyes, in his mind. But it didn't. So he refused, verse 30. He refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. No mercy, no forgiveness. Look what happens here, y'all. This is Jesus describing the kingdom of God, not just telling a story. This is our Savior teaching what the kingdom of God is like. He says, when the other servants, verse 31, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. You should have, you should, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in verse 34, in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. That's brutal, y'all. It just got real. Verse 35 says, This is how my heavenly Father will teach, uh, will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Can you imagine sitting at the feet of Jesus while he's teaching this parable to these to, to the to the people around? And it got it was like a it started off as a hey, here's here's something that happened, and then it got all serious and real, and people are, are, are being beaten and going to jail and it's getting bad. And then suddenly Jesus turns it around on all of us. Then you might understand how David felt when uh, the prophet came to him and says, Hey, there's this, let me tell you a story about a guy who killed somebody else's animals because he didn't want to kill his own. David gets all mad and he's like, hey, tell me who that is. I'll handle him. I'll deal with it. That ain't right. And the prophet looks at him and he's like, you're the guy. You're the one that took somebody else's wife and then had him killed to cover up your sin. You're the one. And when we hear a parable like this, when we hear Jesus teaching like this, what the kingdom of God is like, we're the ones. We get to decide where we fall in that scale. We get to decide whether we receive forgiveness or not. It's not that God doesn't forgive, right? God's forgiveness is for everybody. That's what God's love is all about. That's what John 3.16 is all about. John 3.16 is all about sparing 
people from God's wrath because of God's love. God loves everybody. The problem is not everybody loves God. They want their forgiveness, but they don't want to love God. They want to feel better about their sins, but they don't want to repent. Hello? Here's a definition of, of, of forgiveness, y'all. To give up or to give up resentment or to claim uh, or, or, or any claim of payment for. Right? To give up resentment or any claim of payment for. To, to, or to grant relief from payment of. Or to cease to feel resentment against. That's a that's a Webster's definition of what forgiveness is. Want, you want another definition? Another definition is surrendering your right to collect a debt that you, that is owed to you. Rightfully owed, but you say, no, I'm not going to collect it. Don't want it. God's definition or explanation of forgive, forgiveness is simply love. That's why when Jesus was asked about what is the greatest commandment, he says, love God and love people. Remember that? It's all about love. If it's anything but love, it's not from God. It doesn't fall in line with who God is and who the Christian is. It's a choice between demanding what is owed or deserved or and choosing what is good and right. So here's where we sit back and we say, but we're not God, preacher. I can't forgive like God does. And you would be right. It's a dilemma, isn't it? So if we're supposed to forgive in order to be forgive, then how is it that we can do that if we're not God and we can't forgive in the way that God has? Jesus says to go into the world and make disciples, and I will go with you wherever you go. We have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. If we've received the gift of God's love and the gift of God's mercy and forgiveness, if we've received the gift of repentance and forgiveness, then we've received the gift of the Holy Spirit once we've been baptized into Christ. All of those things that come with the gospel. So we have what we need to be able to forgive. Forgiving doesn't necessarily mean forgetting. It just means letting it go. Somebody smacks me in the face, you can bet I'm not going to forget that they did that. And we're going to practice some social distancing at that point. I'm going to love them from a distance. But I'm not getting smacked in the face just because I'm a fool. Right? You can love people in different ways. If you get harmed, then find a different way to love that person. But don't hate them. Because that's not love. And that's not God. And that's not, you will find yourself involved in this parable in in real ways to where God says to you, look, I forgave you, but you turn around and you can't forgive your brother? Matthew chapter 6 is one of our favorite places to go, and I talk about it a lot, where we, we learn how to pray because the disciple says, hey, teach us how to talk to the Father the way you do. So now we know our Father who art is in heaven, and so on and so forth. But no one wants to read the very next verse that says, if you do not forgive your brother, you cannot be saved. Hello? <laughs> I'm so thankful for his forgiveness, y'all. And I'm so thankful for his mercy. But am I living thankful? Am I living a thankful lifestyle? 
if we're hating or living in unforgiveness, then we're not living a thankful lifestyle. We're not committed to what we're really trying to be thankful for or saying we're thankful for. I'm going to read some scripture now. It talks about forgiveness. Psalm 103, verse 7. This is pretty awesome. Let me, let me, let me get to the right one. There's going to be a few verses in here. Psalm 103, verse 7 through 12, actually. Who made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Amen. Break right there. The Lord, I'm going to read again. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, y'all, and abounding in love. That's what we need to be striving for with the Lord's help. Here's verse 9. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. Thank the Lord for that. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Praise God for that. Or repay us according to our iniquities. We're all getting more and more thankful as we get reminded of what's going on in our world and in God's kingdom. Look at verse 11. For as high as the heavens are, here's where we're getting to the, good, the best part. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. I like when the scripture compares, tries to measure God. It's not possible. So they try to in some, use some kind of word to describe the impossibility of measuring God's love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. He says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the, look, here it is right here. As far as the east is from the west, whoops, I did it again. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed transgressions from us. If you, if you realize what you're saved from and what caused you to be an enemy of God, this right here should make your heart skip a beat every time you read it. Way too many times people are holding themselves prisoner because they're not understanding that when God says, I forgive you, it's gone. It's not there. It's all, it's all the way gone and won't be back. Even God's forgiveness is perfect. No one's going to show up in the presence of God and say, and God say, oh, I didn't realize how bad that was. Never mind. I'm not going to forgive you now. There is not any offense that stands by itself or all the offenses that man could create together against a holy God that he cannot forgive and will not forgive. And if you're not saved today because you don't think God that can forgive you, I'm asking you to consider that you're wrong. All you have to do is go before him with confidence and step into his mercy and experience his forgiveness. Not to mention, begin to forgive yourself. It's hard, isn't it? Especially when you realize that you you, and accept the fact that you you made the choice to offend God. No one sins accidentally. We don't, we're not just walking through life and then trip over the temptations like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. 
if it was an accident, you wouldn't be held accountable to it. I see it all the time. Simple, simple, uh, uh, a, a simple example is that somebody who's having casual conversation with people and then they say something that they're trying to stop saying. Oh, I, I shouldn't have said that. And they think it's an accident, but it's really a bad habit. A lot of things are like that in our in our life. Let's go to let's go to Micah, this prophecy. Or this, let's all picture this this prophetic uh, word of God, talking about the the sin the sin the sin of Israel and, and how God is going to deal with that and, and and prophesying about the way it's going to be and we go into this little snapshot of it and it says who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance you do not stay angry forever but delight to show mercy because this is ha- this is being written right after all of the wrath of God has been explained of what's going to happen to the Israelites go back and read the whole thing he says you will you will you will again have compassion that's mercy on us you will uh, tread our sins underfoot and hurl all the iniquities into the depths of the sea prophesying about Jesus on the cross isn't it great I know people I know people that believe that if they walk into the doors of a church building they literally believe that they will be consumed by fire the moment they step into the church house that's guilt y'all God doesn't deal in guilt. God deals in conviction. He will convict you to the point where you can repent and step into his mercy and experience his forgiveness. Isn't that great, y'all? There is not not a more perfect plan to experience God than what God has laid out for us. Praise the Lord. Look at Colossians as we go forward. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. If you're saved, whenever you got saved, whenever you heard the gospel and received it as truth and genuinely committed yourself to Christ, been baptized, received the gift of the Holy Spirit, in that moment, you should have felt some kind of relief because now you no longer are trapped by the darkness of sin. And if you didn't experience that, then we need to pray about it because that's what you should experience. I thought my life was awesome. Before I got saved, I was in charge and I had this awesome kingdom built and nobody was going to tell me how to run it. Until I found out how my behavior affected my creator, the God that loves me. And then I was ashamed of myself. And now I look back and it's the most pathetic thing I can think of. love, his wrath. He rescued us from the darkness. He rescued us from what we thought was great that turns out to be hell. It's a lie. Anything outside of Christ that presents itself as great and everlasting is a lie. And it will destroy you. Flee. Flee with everything you have. Run into the arms of God's mercy so that you can experience the forgiveness from God's love.
don't have to understand it completely. You just have to believe that it's true and let the Lord help you then. He brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Verse 14 says, In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You cannot be in the presence of God without forgiveness. You cannot be, you cannot walk with God and not repent of sin. You can't say, I'm going to stop doing these things because those are easy and I want to pretend like I have this relationship with God. But these things over here, I'm going to change the truth so that I don't have to repent and I can still be a Christian. It doesn't work that way. You can change this Bible however many times you want to and it will not change the truth. The parable that we just read that Jesus taught is that if you're not merciful and forgiving, you're not part of the kingdom of God. And if you don't surrender to that, you don't experience any part of the, of the kingdom. You're either, you're either a child of God who is loved by the fullness of God or you're an enemy of God. It's a straight line. There's no gray period. There's nothing in between. You're either in or you're out. Now, I love y'all too much not to say it that way. That's what it took for me to get, get my attention. Preacher came to my house. I told you this before. He came to my house and he sat down. It's like, you are a sinner and you can't be with God unless that changes. That's how you have to handle a prideful, stubborn, truck driving, hammer swinging, whatever you want to call it. But don't think anybody needs to be telling him what to do. That's how you get his attention. You just poke him in the chest and you present the gospel and let the Lord handle it. And I'll let you know the Lord will handle it because he did. Praise the Lord for that. But it was painful at times. It was, it, was, it was great and painful all at the same time. It was similar to my brother holding me against the wall and I was at his mercy. The only difference is, is God has mercy. And my brother, I love him to death, but he didn't have mercy. Some things did because some adult walked in the room and made him stop. Look at Acts chapter two thirty eight. We know this. Peter Peter replied. They were all cut to the heart. They were they knew they were guilty. They understood it, and they were like, "What do we do?" There was panic setting in, remorse, shame, guilt. What do we do now? We've messed up. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. That's why we do what we do. You repent. You be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That's only if you believe that Jesus is the Christ. That's only if you're willing to accept Him as Lord and Savior and live your life as if you're not ashamed of Him. Then forgiveness comes. And only then is when the Holy Spirit can take up residence because the, the sin is gone. Wickedness is gone. Holiness cannot be in the place of wickedness. So if you have sin in your heart, you can't have holiness in your heart. The only way to have Jesus is to have forgiveness. Praise the Lord. Oh, looky there. I feel like sometimes I could just talk all day about the Lord and the gospel. Some of y'all are afraid to say amen because of you think I might do it. If I thought y'all would sit here all day and listen to me, I would do it. What are we doing here? What are y'all doing here? 
why do you, why do you why do you commit this time every week? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you pray about anything? What are we here for? Why are these other people in all these churches around the world right now doing the same thing? What, what's it all about? We're just playing games. Trying to make ourselves feel better. No. Because we believe that God's love, God's wrath, God's mercy, and his forgiveness are real. In fact, I believe they're more real than the things that you and I can touch right here in this room. If nothing else, they're going to last for eternity. All of this is going away. All of this will be destroyed, including this right here, this, this, this body, this flesh. The only thing that lasts forever is God and everything that comes with him. So I'm thankful for his mercy and his forgiveness because it makes me get up one more time and try to serve him, try to please him. It makes me get up one more time and try to love people the way he wants me to love people. Even though yesterday I might have not done it just the way he wanted me to, or I might have given in to some temptation, or I might have messed up here, or I might have done something over there. Whatever the case is, I have confidence that God's mercy and forgiveness is there. So I don't have to be perfect. I just have to be loved. Isn't that great? I love you and the Lord loves you. I hope you know it. We're going to sing. And if you're not saved, if you don't know the Lord, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you don't have a clue and you want to know and you want to experience it, come and talk to me. Come and talk to some other believer in here. They'll tell you. We all have a testimony about how God saved us from the pits of hell because we've all sinned. You heard me say it. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins if you believe this is all true. You ready? Let's stand together and we'll sing.